0: Welcome to Red Lag Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 353 of the World's Most Dangerous Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. With me again this week, your friend and mine, Jason Linden. How are you today, Jason?
1: You know, I'm getting along
0: making it 2020 uh you know it's still 2020 have you noticed that
1: I, what we got like 5 weeks left six
0: <sighs> i don't know like it'll, it'll feel like 5 years i'm sure but we're here to talk about the Cincinnati Reds and what a great year 2020 has been for the since. well anyway um not a lot to talk about this week jason
1: no not not really not not much it's it's the deadest part of the off season that's probably gonna be the deadest off season that we've ever seen.
0: Could be, yeah. And you seen we have seen, seen some, you know, hints that maybe there's gonna be a little bit of movement, but not really, and yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. It's kind of the, the dead spot of the or the deadest spot of the dead spot in the calendar year. Did we get some news this week, which in many years would probably not merit a ton of a mention here on the podcast. It hasn't in the past, but Since there's not a lot to talk about, let's talk about this. The Reds announced their Team Awards. The Cincinnati chapter of the Baseball Writers Association of America votes on these awards every year. Uh, The three awards that are voted on, the Ernie Lombardi Team MVP Award, the Johnny Vandermeer Most Outstanding Pitcher Award, and the Joe Nuxall Good Guy Award. So, uh, Jason, clearly, clearly, I think it's obvious that Adam Dunn should win all those, right? No.
1: Wow. How? When was the last time you slept, Chad?
0: <laughs> it's been a while. Can you tell? I okay. can. All right. The Ernie Lombardi team MVP and the Johnny Vandermeer Most Outstanding Pitcher Award both went to Trevor Bauer. Can we make any arguments against that?
1: I do not believe so, no. I don't see how. Yeah. I mean, he was clearly the best player on the team this year. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and I'm, I'm not sure that if there's any hitters. I mean, I mean,
1: I guess you can make a case for Travis Jankowski, but.
0: <laughs> perhaps, perhaps. It's a
1: little bit of a stretch. It's a little bit of a stretch.
0: A little bit, yeah. No, I don't think. Yeah, I can't think of it. You know, Jesse Winker, maybe? If you're going to try to make an argument, but I think yeah, if you were make to make, an,
1: make for a hitter, sure. it would be. Didn't he get nominated for the, like, all MLB team at DH or something like that?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They might be all star team. So, I mean, he had a good year. We like Jesse Winker here. Yeah. But uh, yeah, clearly, clearly Jesse Winker did not deserve the most outstanding pitcher award. Uh, the Joe Nuxall Good Guy Award. Now, who, let's let's look at this roster and think very, very quickly here. Who are the guys that are going to be in the running for that every year? Gino Eugenio Suarez it has got to be there, right? He's a good guy. Yeah. Seems like. Yeah. Uh, Joey Votto. I mean. I, I think w- so. I yeah. think so. Yeah. Um, Tucker. Tucker, yeah, Tucker Barnhart. Yeah, I could see that. Well, the winner this year, Amir Garrett. Amir Garrett, the Good Guy Award winner. Terribly exciting.
1: I, You know, I like it. I, you know, he's he is someone, I mean, you know, this I suppose is probably one of the more minor awards as far as a lot of people are concerned, but I've noticed that players tend to get worked up about it. I could see Amir winning the uh, the Roberto Clemente Award at some point. Um, he he seems to have character with a capital C from everything that I've seen.
0: I think Tucker Barnhart was the Reds' nominee this year for that award, if, if I'm not mistaken. But uh we are talking about the uh, good guy award, I don't know if this really goes into the voting, but the fact that you know he was willing to fight the entire Pirates team—that I mean, seems like That's a good guy to me.
1: You up a couple of notches, I would yeah.
0: think. But you're right. Yeah, he seems like a guy that might be an ideal candidate for the. The Clemente Award at some point. All right, congratulations to those winners. Now, I want to talk a little bit about uh, shortstop because we've all talked about how shortstop is the, that's where the Reds need to be focusing. And this year, obviously, well, last year too, but we've talked about Francisco Lindor, Cleveland Indians shortstop Francisco Lindor, and how he's a, you know, uh, kind of been a dream to have in Cincinnati because he fixes a lot of problems with his team. I mean, we, we can concede that point, right? Adding Lindor to this lineup in 2021 fixes a lot of problems, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, MLB, MLB.com had this crazy thing where they were, you know, proposing trades to various teams or whatever. And some guy named Matt Kelly, I don't even know who that is, but he, he projected the Reds trade scenario in which they got Francisco Lindor. So I'm interested right away. Yeah. And then I'm just going to tell you who they said, and then I want you to tell me what you think about this. They said, for Francisco Lindor, the Reds should trade uh, Jose Garcia, shortstop, Nick Senzel, Tyler Stevenson, former uh, number one pick Jonathan India, and this year's number one pick Austin Hendrick for one year of Francisco Lindor. Now tell me what you think about that trade, Jason.
1: On no planet do the Reds do that trade.
0: We have been, you and I specifically have talked about, oh, Lindor, he'd be great. I would, you know, I would not break the bank, but I really want, I would do a lot to get Lindor. That is the, it's ludicrous. It's completely ludicrous. Can you imagine giving up all that for one year of Lindor? Why, Why would the Reds consider that?
1: Of those guys, the only ones I would even consider straight up for Lindor are India and Garcia.
0: I might go further than that.
1: I, I would not I, I I I don't think I would cuz we're talking one year. I mean if he, if it was a you know get him get a negotiation window to try to get him to agree to an extension or whatever then maybe it's a little bit different. But we're talking about one year.
0: Could be a good and year.
1: Stevenson at the other week position that just is insane. Like no 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 no
0: Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. adding Stevenson to that makes zero sense. Garcia, I can, you know, I don't mind him being part of a trade. Not that I don't like Jose Garcia, I'm high on him, but you know, um, he's not going to be ready in 2021 to take it over. Uh, I could probably be talked into a Sinzel straight up. I can't believe I'm saying that because I'm high man on Sinzel, but I could probably be talked into that. Am I crazy? Yes. Thank you. You've told me that many times on the podcast.
1: Because I think with Senzel, if you were to do it right now, it would be a classic selling low thing. Good point. Um, You know, if you look at, I mean, certainly Nick Senzel has has struggled in his first couple of go-rounds in the majors. But my goodness, what a first couple of go-rounds to have. Yeah. You know, like... I, I, you know, I got to give Senzel one more year to see if he can be what he's supposed to be. And I I would hate for him to get traded and immediately become that for someone else.
0: Yeah, I think that uh, a lot of my um, maybe willingness to consider it, I guess, is when I think about this trade, every time I think about it, in my mind, I'm like, okay, we'll get him here and immediately start working on that extension. Lindor, I'm talking about, Uh, because, you know, Lindor for more than one year is a very attractive proposition.
1: Of course, with Sinzel, there is. I mean, it, you got me thinking now. I mean, it's not as though the Reds are hurting for outfielders. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I don't. I don't like it. Um, if I'm going to give Sinzel for Lindor, I probably need a little something. A little something additional from Cleveland. I don't think I could quite do that straight up.
0: Yeah, I can see that. I guess I can see that. Uh, I think Stevenson uh, is not. Uh, Tyler Stevenson is I mean, he's not untouchable in a trade. Obviously, I would deal. There's nobody that's untouchable in my mind. I've said that many times here, but but that makes no sense to me because it seems like he is the guy in 2021 and beyond.
1: seems to be seems to be ready. Yeah. And, you know, I said I would include India and I would probably. But the reports that I've read recently, you know, recently in the loosest sense of the word, uh, have been a lot more positive about India than they were maybe a year or so ago. Have you noticed that, too?
0: A little bit. But still, I don't think I would hesitate to trade Jonathan India. He's, he's never really been, yeah. You know, what we what we expected to see, you know. We're going to take some anecdotes from a year that's been so crazy. Maybe I don't know. Um, some people are still high on Jonathan India though within the organization. Yeah. So I think I trade him. Austin Hendrick. Who knows? Um, you know. I like I like the idea. Of, I don't like the idea of trading a guy necessarily. Who knows what we've got? But you know, whatever. You, you know my thought is about minor league players until they get I'm, to Double A.
1: I'm just surprised that we weren't sitting in uh, Hunter Green in this trade, too. I mean, come on. Let's really fill it out.
0: I know, right. Nicola Dolo. Let's put them all in there. It's the much ridiculous. Throw Winker
1: out there, too.
0: Why not? Why not? Yeah. It was. It was I saw it and somebody asked me about it. Said, what do you think about this trade? And I thought, that's not a real thing. That didn't actually show up on MLB Network or MLB.com or wherever. Nobody really said that right for one year of oh, Francisco. Lin- and it, again... There's no one on earth that likes Francis Lindor more than, more than you and I, <laughs> but we just laughed at it. I mean, it's ridiculous. Well, one
1: year of control of a baseball player is one year of control. Like, one year is much different than two years.
0: And not only that, I mean, the fact of the matter is we don't know what that one year is going to be next year. It could be another 60-game season.
1: And, I mean, think about this, too. What did the Reds give up for Bauer? Taylor Trammell. And Puig.
0: Oh, yeah, I remember that guy. Yasiel Puig. Yeah.
1: I mean, so I I think that's roughly what you can expect in a trade for Lindor. Uh,
0: Well, I will say this, though. I think that Lindor probably has more market value right now than Trevor Bauer did at the time the Reds traded for him.
1: Probably. But I don't think you're going to get something substantially better. Like, maybe your prospect is a little bit better than Trammell, you know. But... Trevor was also fairly highly rated at the time. But he you know, was,
0: and and to argue was, actually, I want to argue your point because actually they got a year and a half of Trevor Bauer. It wasn't just a year, so it's a little bit more.
1: Yeah. So everybody also knew they were trading for Bauer for this year, right? You know, yeah. they weren't trading for him for last year. Um, but yeah, so I think I think the I think the Bauer trade is probably a really good barometer of what it should take to get Lindor. Um, That's a good you know, point. where it probably is like a you know a Jonathan India level prospect. And then one other piece, you know, either a, a kind of like solidish major leaguer or you know a kind of like B minus type prospect, kind of kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I might say more than an India type prospect because I mean Taylor Tremel was pretty pretty highly touted at the time, just coming off that Futures Game performance, and he was, you know, he was a pretty exciting prospect at the at the time. So I, I think maybe a little bit better than that, but I don't think you're wrong in general yeah. about the uh, you know the contours of what it would take. Can we can we talk for a second? Oh, we've, I know we've talked about this before. Can we talk for a second about what this lineup looks like if you just add that one player, Francisco Lindor? Though that's why that's why any trade proposals make me excited.
1: Let's 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 have this conversation.
0: The Reds' offense was bad this year, and the only places really that are you got guys kind of locked in. The only places to improve really are, are shortstop and catcher. So yeah. what if what if we add Tyler Stevenson into the mix? who presumably will at least improve the uh, offensive output at catcher somewhat. We don't know. He's He'll be a rookie, so we don't know how much, but yeah. I think it's fair to assume somewhat. Somewhat, yeah. It's yeah. And then Lindor over uh, Freddy Garcia. All of pretty a sudden, pretty- you know, starts to look like a pretty good offense all of a sudden, doesn't yeah. it?
1: it? It does. It does. Um, it, it, yeah, I, I think a couple of upgrades there. Um Because it's, you know, the the weird thing about the Reds' offense last year, you're right, it was bad. It was bad offense, but it was like.
0: Yeah, there's a but. Yeah.
1: It was just the weirdest kind of bad. You know, like, (laughs) I mean, we've talked about the BAPF and all that, but also just like when you go look at the individual numbers of the regular performers, it's like almost nobody was atrocious. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, some guys were above average a little bit some guys were below average a little bit it, you know it just kind of balanced out to being kind of not great
0: yeah by the um, end right yeah.
1: yeah and it but it's just weird like you know there's if you go down the lineup i mean okay yes you know votto's in the twilight of his career but we know he's not going anywhere you know you're not nobody's looking to replace gino nobody's looking to replace Castellanos or or Moustakis. It, it, on any team that they're on right nobody's looking to replace winker those guys aren't going anywhere. They'll, they'll start on, you know, the majority of teams right. in, in Major League Baseball. So to have that happen, and then to have them still be so, you know, low level mediocre was it's just—it's such a weird offensive season.
0: Yeah, that's the thing that kind of kind of weirds me out. It bugs me out a little bit when I look at this roster because at the end of the season, I'm thinking, all right, let's take a look at this uh, baseball reference page. Where can we improve this offense? And, you know, shortstop and catcher are obvious. I mean, everybody knows that. But then you look everywhere else and I'm like, well, you know, I mean, I'm kind of okay with the guy the Reds have at that position. You know, first base is is Votto uh, Moustakas. I'm okay, you know. uh,
1: And especially when you start looking at who else you could get and you're like, well, am I going to get anybody really better than these guys? Probably not.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. Right. I mean, we could try to upgrade. it's, It's kind of in most places if they play to the back of their baseball cards. It's kind of a marginal upgrade. Yeah, and I just, yeah, you know, Gino a third. I mean, you know, uh, how filled I like our outfielders. I-
1: yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's it was just, you know, it, it kind of felt like everybody on the team underperformed the back of their baseball card by like five or ten percent. So that is enough to take you from, you know, a, a, a sort of like comfortably above average offense which is what we I think we're all expecting. I don't think we are expecting them to destroy the world. Right. to a like, you know, uncomfortably below average offense. You know, it's
0: yeah, and my thing is when I look at that I'm like, okay, they got they got some guys that I like. They got a lot of guys actually that I like offensively. But I said this before and I think it's the it's the really the the, the point that I it's where I've landed is that they need an all-star. They need an all-star. They need somebody that's maybe not necessarily a, necessarily an MVP candidate, but they need an all star in that lineup somewhere. And Lindor fits that bill.
1: I argue that Gino is one.
0: You, you can, yeah, but this but is an all star. He is, yeah. But look at the playoff teams. You know, yeah. they had they had more than one guy. Some of them had didn't. some of them had two you know MVP type guys, and, and the Reds have a bunch of above average guys. And Gino's really probably the only one. Castellanos, I think you can argue, Still, I still think he can be kind of that, yeah, not, not an MVP, that, but an all-star type.
1: This is kind of uh, tangential to your, to your argument, and it's, it's really mostly me agreeing with you. But I think what struck me last year and why uh, catcher and shortstop are such obvious areas for improvement is that when most of your lineup is right around average, which is really what happened for most of the lineup this year, and then you throw on top of that at the back of the lineup two absolute black holes then you get a significantly below average offense yeah you know like i mean because they got nothing from shortstop and very little from catcher last year
0: well yeah and that that kind of supports what i what i, what I was saying which is let's say we can be closer to average at catcher with stevenson in the mix and and we're kind of we're kind of hoping a little bit there you all know what i say um, but I think it's fair to think they'll be at least closer to average. And then you add an all-star type hitter at shortstop. All of a sudden, the fact that they're kind of you know above average to slightly above average or whatever, um, average to slightly above average, I should say, at every other position. All of a sudden, that looks like a pretty good offense to me.
1: It does. And let's just because I you know I like to look up the numbers just to see. Believe it or not, there were three teams in the league that got worse production from shortstops than the Reds did.
0: <laughs> How's that possible?
1: The bottom four were Reds, Rangers, Pirates, Cubs. So the Central, not a good place for shortstop. And then at catcher, and I'm this is just offense. I'm not worrying about defense here because that's what we're talking about, right? Um, at catcher for the Reds, this is by Fangraphs uh, runs created plus. What? What? Really? That can't be right.
0: (laughs) Tell us, Jason. I can't see your screen.
1: Uh. That Fangraphs has the Reds at eighth at catcher,
0: just offensively.
1: Just offensively.
0: Admit, hmm. Well, you know, Kasali came off the end of the season, so maybe that's what that is. In the yeah, short that's, season, that's, you know, That's, he all,
1: kind of, Casale. that's all. It's Casali and twenty plate appearances of Tyler Stevenson knocking um, the cover off the ball. Yeah,
0: and, and listen, I, <laughs> I like Kirk Casali. You know, um, I just. And and his numbers ended up looking decent by the end of the year. Yeah, he's not a long term. Yeah, no. I, give me give me Stevenson and Barnhart. Let Stevenson, Barnhart be the backup defensively. Yeah. Go Glover.
1: He also, let's be real. Casalli's thirty two as well. Right. You know?
0: Yeah. I mean, and and I hope he finds a job somewhere. I'm <laughs> I'm not trying to push him out of town, but yeah, I'm trying to push him out of town. So yeah. So I can live with that, but here's the other, part. the flip side of this is that we're talking about the offense. We cannot presume that the pitching is going to be as good, especially if Trevor Bauer doesn't come back. But even if Bauer comes back, there's no way the pitching can be as good as it was like this past year. There's just it's not going to happen. We gotta we gotta be aware of that. But going in,
1: I think I, I, I'm I'm going to quibble with you here, Chad. Uh, I would say that it is very unlikely that the pitching is as good, but I don't think it's impossible.
0: Well, I think it still be good. I just don't think it's I gonna. Mean,
1: let because I mean, let's let's take a minute. I mean, I, I, I always I just assume that Castillo and Sonny Gray are going to be pitching at an all-star caliber level.
0: That's reasonable, to be honest. Yeah. Um. Well, so hold on, let me just interrupt you. That's a pretty good place to start, even without Bauer. That is yeah. a pretty good place to start.
1: Right. So you've got those two at the top. Um, Malley really seems to have figured it out.
0: Yeah, but I think you and I are more are higher on Mally than anyone on earth.
1: Maybe, but I've seen some pretty good analysis that basically Derek Johnson kind of fixed him.
0: I love him. No, I think he's, um, I, I think he's your number three starter.
1: Yeah. Um, and then, you know, boy, you know, TJ Antone sure looked nice last year. Um, who knows what's going to happen with this go? Like the, the Reds have options. Like, you're right. The pitching is unlikely to be as good, but if they came back this year and kind of did the thing that Cleveland often seems to do, where they like shed great pitchers and then somehow still have like the best staff in the league, um, I don't think it would be the most surprising thing in the world. The Reds seem fairly set up for that. And when and I forgot to mention Michael Lorenzen, who seems to be working himself into potentially at least showcasing potential for a top-tier starter, like. There are a lot of options, and I would not be shocked at all if the Reds were still one of the top three, four, five rotations in baseball next year.
0: Well, I'm not ready to put uh, Lorenz in, in top tier starter uh, territory, but yeah, I see what you're saying. And, and you yeah, know, I mean, I, I don't think there's any way they're going to be a bad rotation. I mean, they're going to be a good rotation. Yeah. The question is, are they going to be one of the best rotations? Or are they just going to be a, you know,. A, a good, a good one. And so, but I think when we're talking about how much more offense they need, we also need to consider that uh, run prevention may be also be take a little bit of a hit. Um,
1: yeah. I mean, I think really that what the reds should be aiming to do or to come out of this offseason doing is looking like a team where there aren't any holes where, where maybe you, you, maybe, you know, hopefully you have a couple of all-stars you have like, you know, Lindor, you have Gino, whatever um, you've got the pitchers, but a team where everybody's like, man, well, you know, you go up and down the lineup kind of like we do, except for shortstop and catcher, but you make shortstop and catcher part of that now too. And you're like, well, you know, that that's really solid all the way through. And then you look at one through five, and you're like, wow, oh, that's pretty good on the pitching. You know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just every day you feel like you got to bring your best game to compete against that team, even if there's not a lot of people on the team who just blow you away.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a good way to look at it. You know. um how many holes, how many holes when you're looking at it and, and in the scenario where, you know, including Lindorian, you, you can kind of, you don't have to really squint too hard and say, well, you know what? They don't have too many holes. Uh, yeah. So, and if they, if they expand the playoff, this well, I worry about them expanding the playoffs. Um, because I'm afraid that Bob Cassini will say, well, all we got to do is get to 500 every year. That's all we need to try to do to get in the playoffs. Um, and there'll be some merit in that, that way of thinking, but you, you know, uh, it's it's a team where uh, this is not a team that I'm necessarily going to pick to win the division. Yeah. It's also a team that I'm not going to be surprised if they do win the division. Is you know the way what, I put it?
1: And, and you can you can disagree with me on this if if you want. I invite disagreement. Okay. <laughs> but as as I'm thinking about it, do you know what? If, if the off season is done right, do you know what this next season's team has the potential to be very reminiscent of? What's that? In terms of just general roster makeup, is the ninety Reds.
0: I'm gonna need you to explain that a little bit a little bit that, more.
1: That was not a team with a ton of superstars. They had Larkin, they had Davis, they had Rio. That's really it. Right? Um and on that team who were truly, truly exceptional performers, they had some guys who had good years. Interesting. Um, but they didn't have. There's. If you go up and down that roster, there aren't a whole lot of players that, if you look at their career numbers, you're like, wow, look what he did, you know, or or even often in that season, there were you know players who had good solid years, but weren't you know world beaters or anything. Like Paul O'Neill was good, Chris sable was good. They weren't holy crap good, you know. Yeah. The rotation was good, except for riho who was outstanding.
0: I, I think I'm picking up what you're putting down here, Jason. I mean, you know, you you talk about obviously that Hall of Famer Larkin, and the, you know the Reds in, in the scenario we're <laughs> constructing here, probably Lindor is is that guy, yeah. Um, potentially another Hall of Famer past his prime in Votto, but um, that's your Hall of Famer. Davis is and Riho are Hall of Fame level talents. Uh they were for,
1: you know Gino and Castillo and Gray or whatever. Something that, that's, along exactly.
0: That's where I was going. That that level of player, and then a bunch of other guys that were. Uh, Either solidly above average or had a really good year, Um, you know. I mean, uh, Mustakis is you know. um,
1: I mean, Mustakis has Chris Sabo. uh, That's
0: exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, he's kind of Sabo. He's a a, a solidly above average player who's maybe not a superstar.
1: Kind of screams Paul (laughs) O'Neill.
0: You know, Uh, this is something I want to explore further with you because this is an interesting idea. Oh my gosh. The Reds are going to win the World Series next year. I,
1: I think. I think. I think that we should just the next podcast that you and I do together. We'll just because it's still going to be the dead of winner. Well, let's just do. Let's just do a potential 2021 and 1990 comparison. I
0: love it. I love it because I'm I'm trying to work through it in real time here, and yeah, I can kind of see it. I can't believe it. Jason's convinced me the Reds are going to win the World Series next year.
1: I'm I'm a brilliant man.
0: <laughs> this is true. All right. Last little tiny tiny bit of news here is that this week the hall of fame ballot was announced and i try to ignore the hall of fame these days because they've the baseball writers have screwed it up they've completely screwed up the hall of fame but i'm still kind of a sucker for it i have been since i was a kid and you know the new new players that are there were 11 new players on the ballot this year and i don't think any of them are hall of famers you know, Mark Burley, A.J. Burnett, Michael Kedire, Dan Heron, LaTroy Hawkins, Tim Hudson. Yeah.
1: yeah, this is the first year in quite some time where the ballot is kind of underwhelming.
0: Right. So you start to look at these 14 players that are returning I to the ballot.
1: It's screwed up. Are, you know, what's that? I said aside from the ways the writers have screwed it up, yeah. Yeah. You
0: know. But this year might be a, a time since there really are no new candidates that are legit candidates. Maybe this is a year that the baseball writers can, can fix some of the ones they've missed so um, let me mention some names here and I want to ask you should these should these players be in the Hall of Fame okay here are the, the 14 that are returning to the ballot and you get, remember you have to get at least 75% of the votes Barry Bonds yes why hasn't he gotten 100% of the votes
1: oh we all know why Chad.
0: we do know why but you would have voted for him in year one right yeah me too Roger Clemens yeah Yes, Kurt Schilling. Ugh. Personal feelings aside, Kurt Schilling. Ugh. he's a hall of famer to me.
1: I'm purely on baseball, maybe, but I mean, like, whew, I'm not, I'm Come not, di- I'm not divorced from the fact that, that there are other guys on this ballot who have character issues. Ooh, Kurt
0: Schilling. Well, and you know, it's not. I don't take any of that into consideration in my vote. I'm over Bonds, Clemens, and Schilling, but um, that has been traditionally a thing that baseball writers do consider.
1: I don't traditionally either, but Kurt Schilling might have found my line, frankly.
0: But Well, that's, this is the Jason London line, and we know where that is, but uh, he had a bloody sock. Sammy Sosa.
1: Uh, probably.
0: Let me say this about the first three I just told you, Bonds, Clemens, and Schilling. Bonds had 61% last year. You have to get 75. Clemens had 61% last year. Schilling had 70% last year. So those are the three that had a, by far the highest vote totals yeah. last year. Um, you think yes on Sosa? I think I'm no on Sosa.
1: You know, I, I, I go back and forth on Sammy Sosa from like year to year. Um,
0: I like the way he hopped out of the batter's box when he had a home run. That was fun.
1: Yeah, Boy, it's real tough. I don't know. He's he's a very borderline player, but, you know, it's.
0: But he was elite for a while.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah.
0: I think we printed to say here, our disclaimer is, you know, yeah, the PEDs, all that stuff. I don't even care. I don't even care. He was I good. At,
1: listen, I don't care about PEDs at all. Yeah. He was like, good at baseball. At it was an open secret. Everybody knew about it, ownership knew about it. They only did something about it when the public got upset. Like, I don't care. Yeah. That was the era. That's how it was. I assume that the majority of players were using in that era, and it's just give me a break.
0: Yeah, Sosa's argument is a is a peak argument. His peak, he was really great. Um, I don't vote for him. Jeff Kent.
1: No. Nah. Well, Kent Kent has a better case than you would think, but I think he's still a no for me.
0: Yeah, you know, I think he's in the Veda Pinson Hall of Very Good category. Gary Sheffield
1: hmm he's got a, it's another peak argument with him isn't it
0: yeah yeah I'm a no one Sheffield although I had an argument with a friend of mine who's a, a big baseball fan who was arguing for Sheffield this week and I just I don't see it I don't see it I mean he was he was great at his best but Hall of Fame uh, Billy Wagner
1: I don't know I mean it depends it depends on your threshold his, his numbers hold up pretty well
0: Sheffield you're talking about yeah yeah
1: He's, I think I think I'm I think honestly I think I'm a yes on Sheffield. I think I think the line for me just in terms of baseball quality is somewhere right between Sheffield and Sosa, and it it moves a little bit. But I, I think I'm a yes on Sheffield.
0: Yeah, Sheffield and Sosa are in the in the same neighborhood. I think I agree with that. But uh, I guess it depends on what you value. Um, Billy, speaking of what you value, Billy Wagner. Nope. I'm a 100 percent yes on Billy Wagner.
1: I do not believe relief pitchers should be in the Hall of Fame.
0: I am a one hundred percent yes on Billy Wagner, but do you know why?
1: Why? Did he go to Virginia?
0: <laughs> Close.
1: <laughs> Did he go to Georgetown? No.
0: He's a fellow uh he was born and raised as I was in southwest Virginia, the far southwest. Fine. So he's a local he's a local hero, so he's not a Hall of Famer, but he had a great career. Okay. okay. Um Manny Ramirez.
1: Mm, I wanna say yes
0: on Manny. <laughs> I'm a no, but Manny's one of these guys like, uh, kind of like you know Eric Davis talent-wise. That guy had the talent, man, but I, just, I don't think he got there.
1: Yeah, no, you know, I got to get it. I'm kind of, some of these guys, I'm looking up their numbers who feel poor. I'm got. i going to take Manny. Yeah. Especially I, because God could he hit.
0: That's the thing. I'm not going to object if he gets in. He's not Jim Rice. You know, it wouldn't be yeah. a disaster if he got in. Actually, I think I'd take Ramirez over Sosa or Sheffield, I think.
1: You got a high bar there, Chad.
0: I'm a small hall guy, yeah.
1: Apparently, yeah.
0: Andrew Jones.
1: Mm, I think mean, he's on the outside looking in for me.
0: See, here we go. I, I I disagree again. I'm in on Jones just because he was an elite defensive center fielder. I know he, he tailed off the end of his career.
1: Oh, but come but I mean okay, but let's 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 pause and let's be real for a second here, okay? You sure. can have one, you're building your team, okay? You've got to pick one. You can have Andrew Jones or you can have Manny Ramirez at their peak. Who are you taking? Andrew Jones. I'm taking Manny Ramirez. Yeah.
0: I, it's what you value. Andrew Jones at his at his peak was a great hitter, but also the best defensive player in the entire game.
1: Andrew Jones at his peak was a very good hitter. Yeah, Manny Ramirez at his peak was Elite. one of the greatest hitters the earth had ever seen.
0: Yeah, no, that's true. And that's fair, but I'm but I'm factoring in the fact that Manny Ramirez could not catch uh, you know a cold. He couldn't catch COVID in 2020. Andrew Jones was.
1: This is, this is weird though, because you know, in many ways Manny Ramirez was the quirkier, more fun Adam Dunn.
0: <laughs> in some ways, that's a good that's a good comparison. I like it. Yeah, uh, I think we're going to agree on the next one. Omar Vizquel. No, absolutely not. And after after Bonds, Clemens, Clemens and Schilling, Vizquel got the fourth most votes last year of players That's that didn't get in.
1: Absurd. That is absurd.
0: How how does anyone vote for Omar Vizquel?
1: Listen, I will tell you. I will tell you how. Some there are some people where it's like if you just play long enough. You get the counting stats, you get the wins above replacement totals, whatever. It just looks like enough to some people on your baseball card. It doesn't matter that you were, you know, startlingly mediocre for much or all of your career. Look at those numbers that you had. Like, and I'm not, I'll tell you what I am when it comes to it. I, when, when we're looking at Hall of Fame numbers, I do not care at all about any numbers that someone accumulates in seasons when they are at or below average because it is not the hall of average. Let me let me see those peak seasons. I care about wins above average. How much better were you than the average guy on the field when you played? That's what I care about.
0: Yeah, you, you can be like a guy that accumulates stats, but when yeah. you're accumulating, you still need to be above average. You need to be a, a legit, you know, good player. Yeah. 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 Vizquel was just, I, I don't get it. I don't understand. That's the one that I we'll never understand the love for Omar Vizquel. No,
1: no, I don't I don't I don't understand the folks that he gets at all.
0: Yeah, I mean a perfectly cromulent player throughout his uh, career but not a Hall of Famer. Todd Helton? Nah. I'm in on Todd Helton.
1: You're in on Todd Helton?
0: I'm in on Todd Helton.
1: Wait, I'm sorry. How can you <laughs> Look be him up. On, look him up. On Manny Ramirez.
0: Look him up. I'm in on Todd Helton. And uh,
1: look Look, I'm telling you right now that Manny Ramirez has better career numbers than Todd Helton does. Let
0: me tell you this. Todd Helton was a college quarterback. Do you know any other players that were college quarterbacks, baseball players? Adam uh, Dunn. I
1: believe, I believe your boy was. <laughs>
0: I, maybe I need to maybe I need to compare Helton to Ramirez again. I, Listen, I'll, I'll concede that. But
1: Helton comes in under Ramirez. He comes in under Sheffield. He comes in under Sosa.
0: I remember Helton, though, as being – and I haven't looked at his – I haven't looked at his baseball reference page, but I remember him as being a stud for a lot longer. Am I well, wrong? You are. I know it's Colorado, but still.
1: Well, but that's the thing is it was Colorado when
0: it was Colorado.
1: Yeah, but he still did it. He Well, he did, but I mean, I mean, he had,
0: I love hall of fame arguments. I love them.
1: He had one, two, three, four, five, six seasons. Where I would call him truly
0: elite. That's a lot, though. How I many have that it's many? A
1: lot. And he had not much else besides that, though.
0: Uh, you're probably right.
1: I'm a no. I'm a no on Helton. Yeah, he was
0: a Tennessee volunteer. I think I'm gonna change my mind. He was a no. Andy Pettit. Nah. No, no, I don't think it's so. And the if last one. If gets in,
1: then I want Mark Burley to get in.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't see Pettit. I mean, if Pettit gets I in, it's if on... his
1: gets in. Mark Burley ought get in too. Well.
0: Yeah. If Pettit gets in, it's just because he had an NY on his cap. Um, the last one, who you, know, you have to get at least 5% of the vote to stay on the ballot. And somehow last year, Bobby Abreu got 5.5% of the vote, who was a perfectly good player.
1: Bobby Abreu has a very interesting case.
0: No way. You're not going to argue he has that case for the Hall of Fame. I mean, he was a good player, but he – Hall of Fame?
1: He's got more career wins above replacement than your boy Todd Helton there.
0: That's not true. you I mean, you don't have to lie on this podcast, Jason. I'm
1: looking at it right now. It's I, true.
0: I, I disapprove of the fact that you lie. I'm holding you in contempt.
1: Um, i You know, Bobby Abreu was kind of, in some ways, proto-Joey Votto. Oh, yeah. Where the, he's Ahead underappreciated of his time. still, because what he did was get on base. 395 career on base percentage, Chad.
0: Really? Was it that good? See, uh, I mean, I knew it was good, but.
1: yeah. He, and I remember thinking that at the time, that because like, that's when I was first kind of getting into analytics and paying attention to on-base percentage. And every year I was just like, Bobby Abreu is good, and people don't understand how good he was. Now, he did tail off, I mean, but a lot of players do. But he managed to stay above average really until the very twilight of his career.
0: Well, explain this to me. Bobby Abreu got 5.5% of the vote last year. Omar Vizquel got 52.6% of the vote last year.
1: I would take Abreu over Vizquel.
0: Eight days a week. 100% of the time. Yeah. One more player on the ballot.
1: One more. I'm, this this is a special one.
0: Yeah. 35.3% of the vote last year. In his fourth year on the ballot. Scott Rowland. Shall we talk about... And listen, Scott Rowland was a stupid cardinal. We know this. Uh, but it was also a red. And... Um, you and I have a evidently an opinion on Scott Rowland's Hall of Fame candidacy that's not shared by too many people. You want to go ahead and talk about that?
1: I do want to go ahead and talk about it. I have written articles about this. I've been on this soapbox for several years. Scott Rowland should be an absolute, no question, slam dunk Hall of Famer. If he played any position other than third base, which has this weirdly high standard where you're supposed to field like a shortstop and hit like a first baseman in order to get the riders to pay attention to you. Like he would have been in long ago. It is absurd that he only gets 35% of the vote. I mean, it is just ridiculous. I, I don't, there is no case for keeping Scott Rowland out of the hall of fame. There is none. And yeah. that's what I'm here to say.
0: Yeah, no, listen, um, <laughs> I don't know why you and I are kind of outliers on this argument. Because I've written about it, too. I just I just pulled up a piece that I wrote in 2013 um, for the uh, the Hardball Times. And at that time, 2013, the top 10 third baseman in career wins above replacement. At that time, Scott Rowland was number 9 in the top 10. I mean, that's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. The guy's ahead of him. Brooks Robinson, Chipper Jones, George Brett, Wade Boggs, Eddie Matthews, Mike Schmidt. I mean, it's just Adrian Beltray at the time, who's also a Hall of Famer, in my opinion. It's this weird third base thing where a third base is so underrepresented.
1: Listen, here's here's another measure of how absurd this is, and this is I'm just going off fan graph, so if you go off a different wins above replacement, you might get a slightly different answer. Among offensive players all time Take a guess where Scott Rowland ranks and wins above replacement.
0: Among just third basemen?
1: Among all offensive players.
0: Oh, gosh. All offensive players. I don't know. Top 100?
1: He is 61st.
0: That's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. He's
1: he's, he's a Hall of Fame baseball player.
0: I I don't care how you look at it. (laughs) I don't understand, and I hate that I feel like he was a red, but I felt like I'm arguing for a Cardinal. Is that bad?
1: It doesn't matter. I mean, you know, listen, let's be real here. I get to be biased, but I get to be correctly biased. I, I grew up like two towns over from Scott Rowland, who was just a few years older than me. So, you know, uh, I've been here. I, I, I knew about Scott Rowland long ago cause he was that good. And everybody was like, Ooh, yeah. this guy's going to go pro. Um,
0: he was actually—I was going to say—he was he was actually not as good for the Reds as most people think. <laughs> he was actually kind of bad for the Reds, except for like for half a year.
1: I mean, in two thousand ten, he had four point six wins above replacement.
0: Yeah, and all that was like the first, you know, three four months of the year. Yeah, well, and- still though. No, no, he was good. I, listen, yeah. he—he was—he pulled him across the finish line. I love I like Scott Rowland. I just don't understand why he doesn't get support. Why? What is this thing? I mean, I think mostly
1: it's the injuries. Um, And I think he's hurt by the weird thing where he played for four different teams and playing for lots of different teams seems to kind of like punish you for some reason. Um,
0: But but why doesn't he get the boost that Vizquel gets from his, you know, Vizquel's whole argument is his defense? And Roland was the best defensive third baseman in the league for years.
1: There, there's argument to be made that Scott Rowland is the second best defensive third baseman in baseball history.
0: Really behind Wayne Kincicky?
1: Yes, behind Wayne Kincicky. No, that would be behind one Brooks Robinson. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Where you know, basically, and it, and it gets into that thing where you can't look at counting stats. You've got to look at rate stats because Scott Rowland did get hurt a bunch. He's still, you know. Played more than enough to be clearly a Hall of Fame player, but he got hurt a bunch, so his counting stats don't measure measure up. But sort of like play for play, he was, I mean, one of the very, very best third baseman ever. He was a much better third baseman than Vizquel was a shortstop.
0: Oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you five names. Okay, and I want you to tell me if these these players that I'm telling you, that I, that I mentioned are Hall of Famers. Okay. I mean, or should be Hall of Famers. There are all Hall of Famers. I'll tell you that off the top, but should they be? Barry Larkin. Yes. Carlton Fisk. Yes. Robin Yount. Yeah. Tony Gwynn.
1: Yeah.
0: Ernie Banks. Yeah. Okay. Scott Rowland has more career wins of replacement, according to baseball reference, than all of those players. It's 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 a it's a it's a disgrace that he's not already in the Hall of Fame, and I don't I just don't get it.
1: I I don't either. It's absurd. It, I mean, it is utterly and completely absurd. And he better get a big old boost this year.
0: I hope so. With the uh, you know the way the ballot is this year, I hope so.
1: And you know what's weird about Scott Rowland, and you know this is just sort of psychoanalyzing the voters. I mean, I guess he made some writers grouchy in Philadelphia or whatever. But the other elite players who are on the ballot, if you wanted to go the character route, he doesn't have the character issues that any of those guys have.
0: Yeah, I mean, was he nice to the press? I don't know. Yeah. There were rumors that he wasn't, but he also wasn't a jerk. I don't know. I just, I don't get it. Let's answer some questions. Can we ask? Can we ask some viewer mail questions? Sure. All right. These questions come from our friends at patreon.com slash redlegradio viewer mail. First question comes from Joey Gaditza. Which of the following ballpark menu items entice you? A double header Dotson dog. Some sack fly farcing fries. Some no hitter Neely nachos. He put too much effort into this. A slice of into the gap Gaditza pizza. Pizza. some opening day gray honey garlic wings a Chris Garburger a snack from the left field shack and finally some bases loaded linen lagers <laughs> Joey put too much time into that one
1: wow I mean I, I, I suppose I would try any of those things Yeah,
0: I'm going with the pizza.
1: I might I might go with the nachos I just like a good
0: nacho there you go Kyle Kapler asks, this is kind of an interesting question, which of these situations would have had a larger ripple effect had they not actually, or if they had actually occurred? Um, Your choices are Josh Hamilton not being traded to the Rangers, Votto not getting hurt in 2014, or the rumored J.T. Rail Muto deal happening last year in the, uh, in the off season. So which of those would have had a larger ripple effect? Josh Hamilton, not being traded to the Rangers, but not getting hurt in 2014 or, you know, the Reds acquiring JT rail Muto last year. Uh, you know, I think probably, um, Josh Hamilton to me.
1: Yeah. I, mean, I was going to say, I think the Votto one is clearly the bottom of that.
0: I do. I mean, they the Reds weren't going to be great in twenty fourteen, no matter what, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, there wasn't Joey Votto's best season. Wasn't going to save him. Yeah. Um
0: Acquiring Real Muto that helps, but
1: yeah. Well, the the real Muto thing is that we wouldn't have enough time to see. You know what I mean?
0: But you know, we would have him presumably for more than just this year. So you know, we're not talking about catcher this year. Yeah. So I can see. I'll, you know, the Hamilton thing is interesting because real ripple effects there. Because we don't get Edison Volquez, who, you know, was a, a big part of the Reds' big teams. Um, we don't get Shin Tzu Chu later, I guess. Yeah. Drew, Drew Stubbs is probably not in the lineup short at at center field. So the Reds are. I don't know. Maybe the Reds have a better chance of winning a championship. I'm going Josh Hamilton.
1: Yeah, I would have to. I had to go back and remember when his best years were to see. And yeah, yeah, I think I think I might have to go Josh Hamilton too.
0: Yeah, think so. Joe Farsing asks, "Fellas, what are your off-season priorities for the Reds?" Obviously, Shorestop is first. And on Slack, Chad agree with me with about the Reds trying to acquire Ha Sung Kim, the Korean shortstop. I love that. Yeah, that's the guy I think the Reds should go rather than Dede Gregorius or whoever else. Unless they can get Lindor. Uh, and Lindor. But anyway, his question is, where after shortstop? Starter? Outfield? What's, if you could choose which priority, where do you go after shortstop?
1: Well, okay, so this is, I, you know, I just had... Can I be innovative for a second, Chad? Please. So right now, the Reds have Winker, Castellanos... Senzel, Akiyama. Am I missing an outfielder? I feel like I'm forgetting one.
0: There is a thousand outfielders, so yes, you probably but like, are. You
1: know, like a, a primary outfielder, who am I forgetting?
0: Yeah. I I don't see outfield.
1: Goodwin. No, no, go with me though. I need to know them all. Like I'm forgetting somebody. Jankowski. Okay. No. Anyway, what I'm saying is, I feel like if you get one more outfielder, right? And you just you can then take your all of your outfielders and you can pair them up and sew them together. Like you to make a Frankenstein's outfield monster. <laughs> Are you with me? Are you nope, with me? I'm
0: absolutely not with you, Bam. Excited to see where you're going.
1: And then you could have, you know, Mick Senzel's <laughs> and, and, and and speed and then Castellanos' power. I mean Right. Yeah. Yeah. You That's
0: can a- construct the great outfit, I guess.
1: No, I think I think catcher. I think catcher is the issue. Even
0: you. Yeah, but in terms of, I mean, the question is, what do you, you know? The priorities for the Reds. I'm okay with oh, the Reds. Well, yeah. I'm okay with the Reds saying, okay, Tyler Stevenson helps fix that position. I think I go starting starting pitcher. I want another starting pitcher if I have to go somewhere else. And, and you know, Bauer yeah. or whoever.
1: I, I, I would agree with that. Yeah.
0: Andrew Scott Wills asks, outside of the National League Central, what are your three least favorite ball clubs? <laughs> that makes it difficult when you go outside of the National League Central. So least favorite ball clubs. Yeesh. Well, I, I
1: think I can do this one pretty easy.
0: Can you? Now, let me give you my first one. My first one is... Atlanta, the Atlanta Braves.
1: That's my first one too.
0: There you go. So we agree on that one. Who's your number 2?
1: Um my number 2 would probably be the Yankees.
0: Okay. I disagree.
1: I know. You're a closet Yankee fan.
0: <laughs> I'm, a closet. I'm a closet Yankee fan. My number 2 is the Los Angeles Dodgers.
1: Yeah, a Just reasonable p- pick. I don't have the same Dodger uh, malice that a lot of Reds fans have because um, I was I think by the time I was highly engaged that, yeah. that rivalry had kind of faded
0: yeah no I get that it's, for some reason that kind of by osmosis or whatever reason that kind of I kind of got some of that who's your number three least favorite
1: um I gotta go outside of the central this is where it gets hard the first two that I, the first two I knew it was the Braves and, and, and the you know what? I don't like Boston.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I considered the Boston Red Sox as well. They, I, used
1: to be, they used to have a likable charm, and now they just got obnoxious, and that whole organization is such a hot mess right now. I've actually, oh, well, you know what? Actually, I can I rescind the Yankees? The Astros, because screw the Astros.
0: Ooh, yeah, the Astros are clearly, yeah. I'm actually going to rescind my – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the Dodgers off my list. And I'm gonna I'm gonna add Boston. I'm gonna put the Red Sox as my number two. Yeah. My number three. Are you ready for this one? Sure. The Virginia Tech Hokies. Skyler Webker asks. <laughs> outside of bringing in more free agents, how can the Reds improve this offense? Before 2019, the offense was always good and the pitching was awful, and now we're stuck with the inverse. The truth is, uh, Skyler. I don't see how the Reds can improve it other than, well, not necessarily free agents. I mean, we could trade for Lindor, but it's it's we we're kind of limited on how the Reds can improve the offense because so many positions are already spoken for. And hope is not a strategy, but I I think um, a lot of these guys can be better.
1: Yeah, let's it's if 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 not hope, let's make you know it's what assumptions do you make? I kind of I assume Akiyama. Will be more his second month self than his first month self. I assume Senzel will will turn into at least a a solid major league player. You know, I assume that Gino will return to being normal Gino. Uh, uh,
0: All these are reasonable, but
1: listen, Eugenio Suarez is not hitting two hundred two next year.
0: He might. You don't know.
1: No, he's not hitting two (sighs) hundred two next year,
0: Chad. Yeah, I think you're right. I'll agree. (laughs) <laughs> here's Mike Mannix's question. First of all, Mike Mannix, eternally the greatest name in our Patreon family. Um, I, I want to hear your answer to this question, Jason. Very simple question. Dimitar Berbatov or Robbie Keane? What? <laughs> I knew that was going to be your response. Who? Dimitar Berbatov.
1: Are these... Or- are these TikTok stars?
0: I don't know. <laughs> or Robbie Keane. The answer is Robbie Keane. Okay. It's funny that uh, this is a uh, this is a funny uh, European soccer question directed at me. These are two Tottenham guys, and I'm actually wearing a Tottenham uh, Tottenham sweatshirt right now as we're discussing this. Robbie Keane was one of my favorite players on the first Tottenham team. I really liked. So it's it's football. It's it's soccer. Whatever. Sorry, Jason. I'm sorry I inflicted that on you.
1: Okay, it's fine. I, it's, you're you're the butt of, of the joke most of the time. so
0: <laughs> should get one anyway. There you go. So, Robbie Keane's the answer. Nathan Connor, your response to that on uh, Patreon? You're dead to me. Chuck Nichols asks, I've seen numerous pictures of Joey Votto cruising around in his exotic cars. Have you seen these pictures, Jason? You know, I have not, actually. I haven't either. My question is, what is the fastest or coolest car that you two have ever owned? <laughs> I'm going to embarrass myself with this answer. The fastest or coolest car you've ever owned.
1: I have never owned a car that was particularly fast or cool.
0: Me either. I'm, I'm not a car guy. I, You know, I listen, I drive a freaking RAV4 right now. I don't care. It's sending something that gets me where I'm going to go I'll spend money other places so I'm no, going to I'm going to say
1: I have I'll be super nerdy for everybody I have a Prius and the reason I have a Prius is that I calculated that the amount that I saved on gas would effectively significantly reduce my payment
0: we just lost our cred Jason
1: Yeah. as far as I'm concerned a car is an appliance that moves
0: yeah me too absolutely 100% I don't I don't spend money on cars All right, Nathan Connor asks, why did Doc Brown, a back to the future question, Jason, why did Doc Brown have to travel to 2015 to help Marty's kids when all he had to do was leave explicit instructions for Marty on how to make sure his son didn't get arrested? Also warn him about drag racing so he doesn't get into that accident, which ruins his music career. Seems a lot easier than traveling to a future where Miami is in the AL playing the Cubs in the World Series. Nathan Connor with the Back to the Future question. I got no answers on that one, except to say I that
1: because it makes a more interesting movie. That's
0: why. Right, but can, can we concede Back to the Future incredible movie uh, trilogy?
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: All right, Hooper Powell. <laughs> these are ridiculous questions. How would you rank these following choices for Tom's or Thoms replacement? Roseanne Barr. Gilbert Gottfried or Bobcat Goldthwaite? <laughs> On a serious note, have you heard any rumblings, I guess, about Tom's replacement? Tom's well, replacement is going to be Jim Day.
1: I, I would take the mute button over all of those choices. Yeah, I agree. You know, I don't think it is going to be Jim Day. You don't? I don't.
0: I do. I've heard well, of rumblings, but. So. Who's it going to be then? Bob Costas? Yeah.
1: You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some kind of, like, significant reshuffling of the radio teams and the TV teams and things. Like, I could imagine Brantley coming over to the TV.
0: Hmm. Interesting.
1: Um, And then having, you know, oh, no. and then maybe have Brantley's spot taken by Danny Graves on the radio. Or something
0: no, no, like shut up. No, God, please, no. Not Danny Graves or Sam LaCure or any of these. Doug Flynn. Just because you used to play for the Reds is not a reason to put you on the radio.
1: I mean, it's true. But, I mean, let's be real. Like, play-by-play, Jim Day is not exactly your guy.
0: Yeah, but I don't know. The Reds don't. I I don't know. You're right. I mean, I like Jim Day.
1: Yeah, I like Jim Day fine, but he's not a play-by-play man.
0: Yeah, but then again, it was Thom.
1: Listen, it's honestly anything
0: that's going to be a step up. Ten, three more questions, and we've got to get out. My, my man Timmy Abeldness, Wade Miley, Michael Lorenzen, and TJ Antone. You can only have one in the 2021 starting rotation. Who do you choose? So you're talking, <sighs> with, you're talking about your fifth starter, I guess, since you can only have one. Wade Miley, Michael Lorenzen, TJ T. Antone. Hmm. I could make good arguments for all of them
1: for me it's a coin flip between Antone and Lorenzen
0: I think I go Miley no you don't Chad. <laughs> I think well. I do I'm trying to argue with you no it's the Derek Johnson thing man Miley's healthy he was gooing with Jer- Derek Johnson before I think I go to Lorenzen
1: yeah, it's like a billion years old
0: yeah I go to Lorenzen
1: <laughs> yeah
0: I think so rich thompson and rich i'm going to go ahead and say before i read this question uh, neither of us are really going to be able to be able to answer this question well so we're gonna i'm sorry we're gonna to just to kind of slide by 2020 2020 continues to be a porta potty on fire year also with the loss of many iconic entertainers last week sir sean connery passed and he was a truly a man-actor for all seasons beyond his role of James Bond. Therefore, I invite you both to reflect and comment on these other memorable roles by Sir Sean. So he has three memorable roles. I'm going to tell you, Jason, I'm the movie guy here. I've only seen one of these movies. I'm guessing... Yeah, I'm guessing you've seen none of these movies, so we're not going to really reflect. Number one, Lucky Key, Twirling Maloney in the Untouchables. Number two, sword wielding Ramirez in Highlander. And number three, singing Michael LeBride in Darby O'Gill and the Little People. You like any of those? I've seen
1: the Highlander movie.
0: Oh, really? I've seen The Untouchables.
1: Yeah, well there we go. Yeah. So. I mean it's been like twenty plus years since I've seen the Highlander movie, but I saw it.
0: <laughs> there you go. Well you have you've seen a movie that I did not see. Sorry, Rich, can't answer your question, buddy. Risto Neely, last question, and we're going to get out. Well, 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 it's good to have Mr. Linden back with us. Actually, I don't want to answer this Hello, now. Oh, thank
1: you. Thank since
0: you. he started that way, I think we're just not going to answer that. Go on,
1: chat.
0: Tell me, fellas, what event or circumstance led, led to you becoming a Reds fan, and at what age were you, were you, and in what year did this occur? For me, it was 1959. Risto's our elder statesman. I was eight years old. I built a tandy radio kit, strung a wire antenna between two trees. I love this. And started surfing the dial for baseball games to listen to. Came across WLW, be began listening to the Reds, and have ever since. Um, his bonus question is When was the first Reds game you attended? Who did they play? His was Sunday, August the 11th, 1963. The Reds beat the Dodgers at Crosley Field. My first game was 1983. Wayne Kranchicki started. I've never forgiven him. Let's go to the other question. <laughs> What event or circumstance led to you becoming a Reds fan, and at what age were you? And in what year did this occur? I'll go ahead and answer, and I'll let you have okay. it, Jason.
1: All right, okay. I wasn't sure who was going first there.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, no, there was no event or circumstance. It's just my father, and my grandfather were Reds fans. It was just the Marty and Joe were always on, on the radio, and so. But I really didn't start really getting obsessed until nineteen, I guess, nineteen eighty-two was seven or eight and I don't know I just decided oh this is my team and so and then 83 I really got obsessed with the Reds that was Johnny Benches last year and so that's me what about you Jace
1: um I've told this story in a couple places before but my actual my literal first memory is watching the Reds while sitting on my grandpa's lap when I was three or four years old um and and so, I mean, it's it was sort of born into me, but it was definitely a, a grandfather-grandson bond. My dad eventually came around to baseball, but he actually wasn't really a baseball fan when I was growing up. Um, but my grandpa uh, sort of like taught me all the basics. Like I remember sitting at minor league games and, and having him explain to me what the scoreboard meant and all of that stuff. So uh i was 10 for the 90 world series so obviously i mean i was already pretty into it that that certainly hooked me for life um yeah but really yeah. it's just it's just always been part of things
0: yeah it's always always kind of been there so yeah you know it's funny that you you say that because kind of a similar story my grandfather passed away when i was uh when i was 9 years old and you know this, when I was
1: 7 so yeah
0: there yeah. you go well yeah the last you know 2 3 years that i had with him it was baseball is what we talked about. He loved baseball and that was like his whole life. And so, yeah, that's probably why we are here. And at our age now still talking about baseball and still kind of, you know, kind of obsessed with baseball. I, that's, that's kind of the way that works, I guess. Jason, any final thoughts for us here tonight?
1: You know, I'm going to close with one final thought because this just occurred to me. And this is a fun story to share. Uh, thinking about that. Cause my kids, my daughter, Is likes baseball, fine, should take it to leave it. But my son has really gotten deeply into baseball. And it is funny how certain moments can occur and you realize that you've got somebody hooked for life. You know what I mean? Sure. And uh, last, not 2020, but 2019, I took them to a game. And it was that crazy game. It went into the 11th inning. And um, it was one when Iglesias, like, I don't know scooted one just barely into the outfield and Pui came around to score. Like it was just one, it was just super dramatic. Like, you know, super close play at home. It had been a close game all the way and such an exciting ending. And I, I looked at at him, I looked at James and I was like, he was already into it, but that child is hooked. He will never not be a baseball fan. now. I love it. It's fun when you get to bear witness to those moments. And it, it was, it was great. So that's that's a good positive thought to end on.
0: Yeah, that's a great that's a great way to end it because yeah, that's that's kind of man. That's for me, baseball, fathers, sons, daughters. I mean, you know, uh, there's something about this game. There's something about it. So, Jason, my man, love talking to you again, buddy.
1: Always a pleasure,
0: Chad. Uh, you know, I'm going to go through all the spiel that I always go through go subscribe leave a review whatever you want to do i don't care tell your friends whatever who cares just listen to the podcast i'm i'm chad dodson he's jason Linden, and uh you know i don't have any kind of name to add into our final thing here so just you know goodbye go away